Merry Christmas. Uh, my name is David, and I uh, serve as the lead pastor here at Redeemer, and so glad to have you guys tonight. Let me, before I get started, let me say a brief word about that video. Uh, one, thank you for laughing. That could have gone very badly. Um, <laughs> two, uh, starting in January, we're going to do a series of messages called Jesus Among Other Gods. What are they about? Well, um, uh, here at Redeemer, this is a Christian church, and that means that we believe some very specific things about who Jesus was and what he came to do and the hope of forgiveness and resurrection that we have in him. And those beliefs kind of shape the way that we see the world and live our lives. However, uh, we also fully recognize that not everybody sees the world in the same way, and there are a lot of different perspectives with a lot of different worldviews out there. So uh, a lot of times we have questions about those. What do uh, Muslims and Buddhists and Mormons actually believe? Uh, and so what we're going to do in January uh, is have a really honest and fair and generous conversation about, about different world religions and really asking the question, what makes them different and then what makes Christianity unique? Um, I think it's going to be great if you are here in this area and don't have a place that you worship. We would love to have you join us uh, in January for this series, okay? All right. Uh, I'm going to guess that there are people here tonight that are a little bit excited about what's going to happen tomorrow morning. Is that, is that a fair guess? Yeah? Uh, maybe most of those people that were extremely excited already left for the Jesus birthday party, <laughs> right? But I've got, I've got four kids, uh, young kids at my house, and I'm pretty sure every present under the tree has been manhandled at this point because they've been trying to figure it out. Um, but uh, just in case you're here tonight and you're still like, oh, I still need to get some gifts, uh, well, one, I can't help you, right? Uh, even Amazon Prime can't help you at this point. But I wanted to share with you guys, no, I don't have you covered. I wanted to share with you guys, though, my favorite 
gifts that I saw this year uh, for Christmas that were awesome. So here's, here's the first of them. It's uh, the burrito blanket. So have you guys seen this thing? It is amazing. If, uh, if you want to keep a loved one warm and get a little bit hungry when you look at them, uh, go ahead and get them a burrito blanket. There, it also comes in adult and uh, children's sizes, which is amazing. Isn't that great? Uh, here's the second gift that I know some people who definitely need to get this gift, the Don't Speak coffee mug. Is there someone in your life who just can't in the morning? Um, this will help you interact with them and help them interact with you, right? Uh, put that one on your list for next year. Here's, the, here's my favorite this year, the beetle. This is real. An autonomous robot that finds and picks up dog poop. That is a quote. That's how they marketed it. And if you want to see it in action, here you go. Uh, oh. <laughs> and then it scoops it up. It, uh, the GIF cut off there. I don't know why. But I just want to say, if anybody actually buys this thing, could you please bring it here? I have got to see it work. It is amazing. What, what a revolutionary gift, right? All right. I want to uh, get into it. We're going to go ahead and read the, the, the story of Jesus' birth. It comes to us in the Gospel of Luke from, the chapter, from chapter 2. If you want to follow along in the Bible in the chair in front of you or on your phone, I'd welcome you to do that. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to pray. Uh, the words are going to be up on the screen. You can follow along that way, too. Let's go ahead and read. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who, were, who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to come here tonight to remember uh, the day that you stepped down when you took on our flesh, when you took on our blood, when you took on our lives so that we could truly live. And uh, 
God, I just pray as we open up this, this story once again, uh, maybe that we would hear it afresh, maybe that we would hear it because we've never actually really heard it before. Um, Lord, would our hearts be soft enough to hear the things that you'd have to say to us tonight? And would your Holy Spirit be at work in our lives? Lord, may the words of my mouth and may the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, Jesus. You are a rock and our redeemer. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So a couple months ago, I was driving here to church uh, one afternoon, and I had all four of our children in the back of the car, and one of my sons, Jesse the oldest, asked a question that kind of caught me off guard. He said this, Dad, was Jesus actually born on Christmas? Was Jesus born on December 25th? And Jesse's nine years old. That's a really good question. Uh, and to be honest, like I said, this 37-year-old pastor was not quite ready for his son to be asking that question in that moment. Uh, I, I, would, I just wasn't prepared for it. One, because the answer isn't simple. Two, because uh, I was driving on Highway 6 and, and, and uh, three, I just had never thought about how I was going to talk to my kids about this yet. Um, some of you worry about another uh, person who's talked about at Christmas. Pastors worry about talking about Jesus' birth. <laughs> but anyways, uh, here's what I knew. I, I knew that I needed to answer Jesse, and I knew that I needed to answer him well when he asked that question. Why? Well, because I know that the answers we Christians give today matter. They matter a lot. We cannot give wishy-washy answers to real questions anymore. We, we can't give them to our kids. We cannot give them to anybody. Uh, instead, we have to be ready to give account for the hope that we have and to really dialogue in, in tough questions that people ask us. It, because we live in a culture that is becoming increasingly cynical towards any kind of spirituality and in, especially skeptical of Christian faith. Uh, we, I know that just this last month, my son Jesse, who's a fourth grader, was at the table with some friends at his school, and these fourth graders somehow were talking about God, and he shared uh, what he believed, which is the Christian belief about God, and those kids laughed at him. And he came and he shared that uh, with his mom and I. And I know, honestly, that that's just the beginning. I know that as he gets older, he's going to have friends that are going to challenge his faith. I know that when he gets into higher levels of school, he'll have teachers that tell him Christianity is based on a whole bunch of myths. He'll have professors that tell him it's anti-science. He'll have so many voices in this world that are going to be telling him that Christianity is hypocritical, it's hurtful, and it's hateful. And he's going to have to work through all of those things, just like I did, and just like many of you who are here tonight have as well. And so here's my conviction. If Jesus really is our greatest hope, and he is, Jesus is our greatest hope, we have got to be ready to give good answers. We've got to prepare our kids for what's coming. We've got to engage in good dialogue. And if I was to have avoided my son's question and, or, or sidestepped it or given him a half-truth, I would have introduced uncertainty and doubt into his mind. He would have thought, why wouldn't dad answer my question? 
Or if I told him a half-truth, why would dad tell me something that's not fully true? And then he would wonder later, what else has dad told me about Jesus that isn't fully true? So what did I do? How did I answer Jesse on the way to church that one afternoon when he asked that question? Well, I did what most dads do when they don't know how to respond. I said, go ask your mom. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. I said, I, 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 told, I told him the truth. I said, Jesse, uh, we actually do not know when Jesus was born, and it probably wasn't December 25th. That's the truth. Did you know that? <coughs> A lot of heads nodding. Uh, let me... Let, let me give some more information on that in case y- you don't know it. Uh, you, you know, the Bible is actually silent about the precise year, month, and day on which Jesus was born. There are some clues in the Gospels, and there's some ways that we're able to kind of hone in on where we think it might be. Like, for instance, the shepherds that are out in the fields by night watching those sheep, that only happened at a certain point of time during the year. And so we know it had to happen in that range. We also know that it wasn't just Mary who was pregnant, but Elizabeth, her cousin's pregnancy, also weakened kind of time because they found out when her husband, Zacharias, Zachariah was the high priest doing a ritual. So that helps a little bit too. We also know at the beginning of this passage in Luke that there is this guy, Quirinius, whose name is by far the hardest to pronounce in the Christmas story, but whose census we can almost date and we get a range, we have an idea, maybe September, uh, but honestly, we do not know with great confidence exactly when Jesus was born. It's also interesting to know, you may not know this, the, the first Christians were not really interested in Jesus' birth at all. Uh, they didn't really talk about it. It wasn't until the second, third century that they started to celebrate it. Uh, none of the early church fathers who give us a big picture of the history of Christianity really paint any of that picture for us. And in fact, one of them named Origen kind of makes fun of the Romans for doing such a crazy thing as celebrating a birthday. This is what he said. It is only sinners like Pharaoh and Herod who make great rejoicings over the day on which they were born into this world below. Origin's a party pooper. Uh, he would not have joined us tonight. But so the question becomes, how did we end up celebrating Jesus' birth and doing it on December 25th? And it is a beautiful, wonderful thing that we do, by the way. Well, uh, again, actually, we don't really totally know the answer to that. We're not sure. Here's the prevailing theory, probably the right answer. Um, the, the Romans used to celebrate an ancient pagan holiday called Saturnalia, Saturnalia, and it, it was a festival that began on December 17th that went to the 25th to celebrate the god Saturn, right, the one that the planet's named after, and they, uh, during this festival, uh, exchanged gifts, which would make sense for where that tradition might come from, um, and honestly, it was kind of a wild and raucous party for seven days. Think Burning Man in the Roman Empire in the second century, okay? Um, and, and here's what we think happened. When Christianity became the official religion of the Roman Empire in 313 AD under Constantine, uh, they took Saturnalia and said, why don't we celebrate Jesus's birthday here instead? And thus, we have Christmas, right? <laughs> uh, at least the beginning of what happened then to what we have now. Uh, but, you know, honestly there, we're not sure. So, 
Back to Jesse and his question. How did he respond when I told him all that? He woke up from his deep slumber, is what he did. <laughs> no, no, here's the thing. I, I told him what I, what I told you guys earlier. We don't know exactly when Jesus was born. And, uh, and he didn't, his eyes didn't get big and his heart wasn't crushed. He didn't say, Dad, stop the car, turn it around. I am not going to church anymore. Here's what he said. He said this, huh, okay, I guess sometimes we don't celebrate my birthday on the exact day either. And he was good. And I was like, yeah, right? Well done, son. And let me say, I hope you are good with that answer tonight here too. I realize for some of us who have never heard that history, it might be eye-opening. I realize some of you may be like, who is this pastor reigning on the magic of Christmas tonight? Um, I just want to say, one, I'm sorry. I wore uh, suspenders and a bow tie. I did myself to make it better. I hope that helps. Two, um, I think more importantly, knowing the truth doesn't make it any less magical because through the thing that we have really come here to celebrate tonight and the person and the promises that rest on Jesus Christ are, are so true, whether or not we have the right or understand the tradition from which we celebrate them. When Jesus came, when God came in the flesh to save us through the person of Jesus Christ, all of those promises were holy and completely true, and that is why we gather here tonight. And I just thought I could share with you three of the ones that are especially true at Christmas and especially precious as we think about Jesus' birth. Here's the first. Jesus was born to bring light to the world. When the Bible talks about Jesus' birth, one of the things it repeats over and over again is that Jesus came to light up our world. Uh, there, is, there are so many prophetic passages uh, that are written in the Old Testament, in history, that looked forward to God sending a Savior. And um, one of the most famous, one of the most beloved is Isaiah 9. Uh, it has those famous words, some of which we have already sung tonight. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful passage of promise that looks ahead to Jesus as Savior. But the beginning of it uh, says these words in Isaiah 9-2, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. It's talking about the coming of Jesus as being like the sun rising over the horizon, giving us illumination for our lives. When, when the Messiah would come, he would help us to see and understand the world that we're living in. And so when Jesus grows up and he's teaching and healing and freeing people, this is what he says of himself, John 8, 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Walk in darkness. Remember that from Isaiah? But instead we'll have the light of life. Jesus came to bring light. Have you guys ever, uh, this phrase, walked in darkness, have you ever actually tried to walk in darkness before? Has anybody done that? Have you ever been out to like an extremely re remote place in the world where uh, it was a cloudy night and you couldn't see anything and it was quiet, right? And you were walking through the forest. Why would you do that? But um, <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever done that? Uh, 
Have you ever, if you haven't done that, I imagine most of us have just been in our house when it's been dark, right? And haven't been able to see in a room and walk around. Uh, and if you haven't, I challenge you to try that this evening, right? Try to walk in darkness. Shut all the blinds. Uh, turn off the lights. Put on a blindfold and try to walk through your living room. And tell me how that goes. If you want it to be especially fun, go barefoot and pour Legos on the ground, right? Uh, here, here's what you're going to find. It's really, really hard because you can't see anything. And trying to walk and live in an environment when you can't see is, is tough. It's painful. You run into stuff. You don't know where you're going. You don't know what you're doing. But the thing that is so interesting is that all that has to happen for that experience to change immeasurably is for light, for you to see the world that you're in through light. For someone to switch on the lights. And, and that's what the promise is when Jesus came. That we were living in this dark world. We were stumbling around. We were in desperate need of a savior. And then God's son came and the lights got switched on. Right? The sun came over the horizon. And everything that light does, Jesus does. Everything that light accomplished is, Jesus accomplished. He came so that you and I could see and understand this world around us and have the light that he brings into our lives. That's the first thing. Here's the second. Jesus was born to give us our greatest hope. Jesus was born so that you and I could have the greatest hope that we could have in our lives. Um, I imagine that most of us know the late John McCain, the Senator John McCain. Uh, he died last year. And um, if you actually know a little bit about his life, he, he lived an incredible life. He was, he was a really pretty extraordinary man. And when he, in 2008, I think he was running for the presidency uh, at that time, uh, he was interviewed by Time Magazine, and they asked him to share a bit about his life and actually specifically share some of his own Christian uh, faith, his journey to faith, because he, he was a committed Christian. And he, uh, he shared uh, a story in there about his time when he was a, a prisoner of war in Vietnam uh, that really shaped his faith that's incredible. And I just want to read it for you. He said this, When I was a prisoner of war in Vietnam, my captors would tie my arms behind my back and then loop the rope around my neck and ankles so that my head was pulled down between my knees. And I was often left like that throughout the night. One night, a guard came into my cell. He put his finger to his lips, signaling for me to be quiet, and then loosened my ropes to relieve my pain. The next morning, when his shift was ending, the guard returned and retightened the ropes, never saying a word to me. A month or so later, on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day, I was standing in the dirt courtyard when I saw that same guard approach me. He walked up and stood silently next to me, not looking or smiling at me, but then he used his sandaled foot to draw a cross in the dirt. We stood without words looking at that cross remembering the true light of Christmas, even in the darkness of a Vietnamese prison camp. It's an incredible story, isn't it? 
Uh, and I think one of the things for me that is so powerful about it is actually how much hope is, is there in, in that experience that he had, right? Uh, think, about, think about the setting. John McCain is a POW. He is a leftover of war used as a pawn in, in a Masters of Wars game, right? This guard is supposed to be his worst enemy. He's not supposed to like him or treat him with respect. They are both part of a war uh, which only shows how much darkness and hurt and pain and brokenness there is in the world in which we live. But here, there is the story about Jesus that these men both know and believe in that transcends all of those other realities that are at work there in their life, right? They have a common hope in, in Christ that, that rises above that setting that they, that they saw themselves in where they were supposed to be enemies. That cross redefined their relationship to one another and it redefined the world which they found themselves in. That's what happened in that story. And, and that is, is one of a beautiful illustration of how Jesus comes to bring us hope. The Christmas, the Christmas message is that God coming in Christ came to heal us, our broken world, our broken lives. He offers the hope of forgiveness, the hope of peace, the hope of true lasting judgment, justice, the hope of new life, and Christianity is punctuated by our greatest hope and the hope of resurrection. And the hope that there is something better beyond the grave. Because Jesus rose from the grave. 1 Peter 1.4 says this, In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. One thing the Gospels do not lack detail in is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The church has always celebrated the death and the resurrection of Jesus from the get-go. And I want to tell you, there is more historical reasons to believe in the resurrection than there are going to be for you sitting in the chair that you're sitting in tonight. But as surely as you sit in that chair, you should have the hope that Jesus rose from the dead to give you an eternal, everlasting hope in him. Here's the third thing. Uh, that I want to say. Jesus was born to be a part of your life. Jesus was born so that he could be a part of our lives. He could enter into our lives. Back to this interaction I had with uh, Jesse in the car driving here. After we talked and kind of got done, his younger brother, Jeremiah, who was seven, decided he had something to say too. <clears throat> and so we had just had this interaction and Jer, Jer uh, said something, and honestly, it was profound. He said this, yeah, Dad, but Mary and Joseph know. And I was like, wait, what, what did you say, Jeremiah? He said, yeah, Mary and, Mary and Joseph know. He said, we may not know exactly when Jesus was born, but Mary and Joseph know because they were his parents, right? Mary especially knows, right? They, they were there. He was born into their lives, right? And, and I thought about that for a second, and I was like, oh my gosh. Like, you, you are so right, son. Thank you for writing my Christmas Eve sermon, right? <laughs> it, it's, but it's so simple and so profoundly true. Like, we may not know exactly when 
Jesus was born into this world, but one thing we can know is exactly when he is born into our lives. And that is why Jesus came. He was born to be a part of our lives. He was born to to be a part of my life, your life. He didn't come. God didn't come and take on flesh and dwell among us so that God could continue to be some abstract, distant idea. Jesus was born so that God could be personally known, so that you could know God, so that I could know God, so that every single beloved child that's been born would know the son that was born for their salvation. And if we are willing to open our hearts to the God who loves us, who came in the flesh in Jesus, he can enter into our lives. He wants to have a relationship with us so that we actually know him and he can change us from the inside out. And that is why we celebrate Christmas. That's the promise that our hearts hang on. And and y'all, if you know him tonight, rejoice. Give thanks that that all began that very first Christmas. If you don't, let me tell you, there is no better time that when we celebrate Jesus coming into the world that we could celebrate Jesus coming into your life. If you'd welcome him and begin to have that relationship of love and trust, I'd encourage you to do that tonight. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you for your mercy and for your grace and for your love that was shown so completely um, when you took on flesh and blood, and you dwelt among us, Lord, so that we could see in a world that was full of darkness, so that, Lord, you would come into our lives and bring us up with hope in so many ways, Lord, that you uh, want to come and be a part of our lives right here, right now, that you know our names, that you are for us, that you love us. And I just pray Uh, Lord, as we hear that, that we give thanks. And I pray if anybody's here tonight that hasn't made that choice to trust Jesus, to follow him, Lord, that you'd move in their hearts and they, they would respond and they would tell someone and start that journey of faith. It's in your name we pray. Amen.